Hello, I am Joshua P. Warren, and this is Joshua P. Warren Daily. I am about to jump on an airplane here and begin my trip to Colorado. It's going to be cold and snowy up in them thar mountains, so um, not looking forward to to that part. But uh, I know it'll be beautiful. Of course, I'm going to Colorado to film for a while with George Nori, host of Coast to Coast AM. And, uh, in fact, um, I'll tell you a little bit more about what I'm going to be doing there in a second. But last night, here in Las Vegas, indeed, Lauren and I met up with Tom Vrilock and his wife, Kay. And I was able to do a big reveal, big unveiling of the new metaphysical product that I created based upon his work and he loved it I mean he was dazzled I, I think it took him by surprise when he saw my version of this thing that he had originally created and uh, in fact he was so impressed with this thing that we continued talking about working together on projects and so it looks like that he is going to be spending a lot of time here in Las Vegas working with me and helping me out on some of my my experiments and projects here so this has just been a match made in heaven because you know Tom Vrillock has this background in engineering and technology and of course he's a psionics pioneer and that's a rare combination uh so you know we we sort of see the world i think in a similar way when it comes to that stuff and uh it's just going to be amazing to think about the things that we're all going to be able to work together and produce so i'm very excited about that that new product is going to be revealed to the world I think on Sunday that's my plan if everything goes according to schedule that's my plan and uh, I'll tell you a little more later about how to uh, make sure that you are the first person in the world to hear about this because I have a very small batch Uh, they're all handmade so um, here's one thing I want to share with you that I think you may find interesting um, when I go to Colorado, I, I don't want to be you know like too specific about where I'm going to be until I'm gone, <laughs> just in case somebody wants to stalk me down. Um, but I'm staying in a really old hotel up in the mountains. Now, no, it's not the Stanley. I have been to the Stanley a number of times. Of course, the Stanley is the hotel where Stephen King was staying when um he wrote well when he was when he was inspired to write the shining you know he was there i think like the last day of the season before they closed down for the winter and everything was uh pretty desolate and that that gave him you know the idea to write the shining uh even though that property is not the same place they used as the shooting location for the film when you go there though and you imagine you know what Stephen King was thinking you can see how he got the idea for this book 
So it's not the Stanley, but I am staying in an old hotel, and I and it's not the first time I've stayed there. And I, as you know, have traveled around the world investigating haunted places. And I've investigated many, many haunted hotels. In fact, my investigation of the Pink Lady at the Haunted Grove Park Inn in Asheville, North Carolina, was one of the first big cases that gave me a lot of international attention. And when I was still just a teenager, actually. So I'm very familiar with this idea of haunted hotels. And But you see, usually when I go to a haunted hotel room I'm going there to investigate I don't like the idea of sleeping in a haunted hotel room I know a lot of people do I know at Grove Park Inn all the time people walk in there and they say I want room 545 I want to sleep in the haunted room and for me look when I am when I'm going to sleep, when I lay down to go to bed, I do not want to to think that there's a possibility I'm going to wake up in the middle of the night and there's this fucking apparition floating around the foot of my bed. I don't want to have that experience. So I don't like sleeping in haunted rooms. Because I I mean I know this is a real phenomenon. This is you know this is not some BS. And whenever I'm about to go someplace and stay in what is a, a potentially haunted room, I always think of you know the great short story that well Stephen King wrote called Room 1408. It was even made into uh, a movie as a matter of fact, but the uh, the short story is um is even better. And uh I think I said short story the whole time I might have said short film but no it was a short story that was made later into a film so anyway um, there's this great quote I just looked it up to make sure I I could get it right great quote from that short story when um, the guy who is the protagonist is this paranormal investigator but he's really skeptical and he doesn't believe in anything And so he wants to go spend a night in this room, 1408. And before he does so, the manager of the hotel is trying to talk him out of it. It's a great scenario. Um, There's one line from it that really sticks out in my mind. And that line is, the manager says to him, in an abandoned house or an old castle keep, your unbelief may serve you as protection. In room 1408, it will only render you more vulnerable. That's a great line because he talks about the concept of unbelief serving as protection. Isn't that interesting? So in the same way we think about believing in something, having faith in something, um, sort of creating a situation creating a scenario well you can think of the opposite right if you don't believe in something well it's almost like a form of protection against it because if you don't believe it well you're not concerned about it but actually since I have the uh, the text here I'll read you 
the larger uh, context. So, uh, okay, so this guy, the the investigator's name is Mike, and the uh, manager's name is Olin. And it says, uh, Mike says, if if that's so, I won't have anything to worry about in 1408, will I? But you will, Olin said. You will, because there are no ghosts in room 1408 and never have been there's something in there I felt it myself but it's not a spirit presence in an abandoned house or an old castle keep your unbelief may serve you as protection in room 1408 it will only render you more vulnerable don't do it that's why I waited for you tonight to ask you to beg you not to do it of all the people on earth who don't belong in that room the man who wrote those cheerful exploitative true ghost books leads the list that's a good quote huh so you see why I wanted to read you the larger context see if I went to a hotel and some manager said some shit like that to me I'd be like okay that's fine Never mind. You know, I I take your word for it. I mean, maybe there's another reason that you don't want me in there. Like, you know, there's bed bugs or something. But all you have to do is say that and I'll be like, I like I I'm not I'm not the smartest guy on the planet, but I am not the dumbest guy on the planet. So, I'm not going to go spend the night in this room that you you know you said we'll do this. So, I always am very respectful of the history of these properties and when I go to like an old haunted hotel up in the mountains where I'm going to be sleeping you know by myself in the room um I uh I realize like look this may not be a good deal for me even though i'm a paranormal investigator i gotta get some sleep you know i gotta get some rest i'm not gonna stay up all night observing this room i'd rather have a peaceful nice environment than a creepy haunted one however i know this place where i'm about to go is haunted as hell and i know what section i'm going to be in it's going to be like the old ass section and i'm telling you there's a very good chance there's something spooky going on in there and so i was thinking well my mind is primarily occupied with with filming you know that's why i'm there but when i do have a little free time i was thinking about you as a person who listens to this podcast and I was thinking, well, I wonder if I should do like a little ghost ghost investigation on the side just so I have something to talk about that's interesting in my podcast. And then I started thinking, man, I don't know if I want to investigate my own room because if I find something that's amazing, I'm kind of screwed, you know, because it's like a catch-22. I'll be excited that I get something. But I kind of don't want to know that it's happening in the place where I'm about to go to sleep. So I've been trying to like 
work my head around this like am i better off to to stick my head in the sand as as the ostrich so to speak or do i want to take my expertise in the field of paranormal investigation and use that in order to document whatever potential activity is happening in this room where i'm sleeping and look here's what it's boiled down to here's what i've decided I have recently made some new purchases that I haven't gotten to try out yet. And one of them is what is called uh, a full-spectrum camera. Now, let me explain to you a little bit more about what that means in the modern context. When I first started doing paranormal investigation decades ago, I was shooting everything on film. And uh, I would imagine that, you know, unless you're probably under the age of 20, I mean, you, you remember the days that were everything, every time you took a picture, it was on film of some kind. But I shot a lot of stuff on film. I even had uh, what, what they call medium format cameras, like Hasselblad cameras, which would take big, beautiful pictures uh, similar to like maybe some of the prints you've seen by Ansel Adams. Uh, he was probably using large format. But anyway, you know, they're big, big cells of film. And film is a, uh, it's just a material uh, that is covered with photosensitive chemicals. So whatever light hits it, it changes the crystalline structure and the chemicals there. And, and makes an imprint and uh, I've worked with so many different types of film I mean I, I to this day I own several Kirlian cameras where you actually get a direct imprint of the energy coming through an object or the human body onto various types of film um, I shot an entire feature film on 16 millimeter that was a huge pain in the ass. I even edited some of it by, you know, splicing it together, you know, physically. So I'm very familiar with what happens when you take a piece of film and you expose it to light. Basically, when you do that, the light that comes in when you open that shutter for however long is going to create some kind of an impression on that film and the impression that it makes depends upon the type of chemical combination that you have on the film because that determines the range to which the film is sensitive and so when I met Mark Ellis Bennett who is a specialist in infrared and ultraviolet photography it was really interesting because he would buy these exceptional films that uh you know, we're, we're sensitive to those realms or those ranges outside of the visible spectrum. But then he would also have to get special filters and lenses and stuff because you wanted to filter what kind of light was coming in so that the light that was coming in would match what that film was designed for. And so um, it, w- it was a very particular art form. But you see, when digital cameras came out, all that changed. 
you know, digital cameras originally had this thing called a CCD, a charge coupled device or something like that. It's a little, a little chip in there um, that was ultimately photoreceptive. And so when light would come in, the light, you know, the photons would be converted into electrons, which would then, you know, I, I don't want to get too technical here, but basically when the first digital cameras came out, they were sensitive to all the stuff that you and I can see with our naked eyes, but they were also sensitive to the infrared realm and also a little bit into the ultraviolet realm. And so it would make the colors look a little off. So they used to put physical filters over these digital cameras. So you'd have like a little switch sometimes, like a manual switch that would bring a filter down and it would block out some of those frequencies that would distort the way the image would look via the camera uh, so that it would the ultimate picture would look more like what you are expecting with your naked eyes and so in the early days of digital photography we would get many more paranormal anomalies in the days of film we got many more paranormal anomalies um but in the early days of digital i mean it was very common to get you know all kinds of weird mists and spooky things i mean orbs to say the least to say the least um and i'm not just talking about dust or rain or snow or you know that kind of stuff i mean i i'm very very familiar with all those things i analyze thousands of ghost pictures quote unquote ghost pictures every year so we we started with using like mechanical filters that would go uh, into the optical processing in order to filter out uh, most of these frequencies that would create uh, colors and other effects that we didn't want and like the the wedding picture or whatever and if you look at a lot of the pictures that were taken with the early digital cameras you'll find more anomalies than you get nowadays that's because eventually computer technology got so advanced that we no longer had to use a mechanical filter we are now at the point where there is software that's inside every digital camera i don't care if it's your cell phone or if you go out to best buy and you know buy yourself a bona fide standalone camera um when you have a modern digital camera there is software in there that is actually designed to detect anomalies and to override them basically so uh, to 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 delete them for lack of a better word so that it doesn't screw up your picture you know the idea is to automate this as much as possible because you have to understand that you know 99% of the people out there are not ghost hunters they're not paranormal investigators you know if you or i take a picture and we get some kind of misty form or a ghost or whatever in it we say holy shit this is amazing this is wonderful look i have something incredible but 99% of the people in this world take a picture and if they get some kind of an anomaly they say 
ah, my picture's fucked up, you know, and and they they hate it, and they feel like, well, this camera sucks, and so the software is designed to make sure that everything is, again, properly filtered and adjusted to the expectations of the average user, and that is why now it is it is actually harder than ever to get paranormal photos because we're fighting the software that's designed to to weed all that out so occasionally you find these cameras out there which they they're not calling full spectrum cameras where adjustments have been made to combat that so that the camera is still going to be exposed to the widest range possible so the human eyes are able to see a little sliver of the electromagnetic spectrum that starts on the low frequency which is red and ends on the high frequency which is violet so it goes red and then a little bit shorter higher in vibration then red is orange and then yellow and then green and then blue and then indigo and then violet Roy G. Biv is the way to remember that and so you have red on one side and you have violet on the other and anything beyond red is called infrared and anything beyond violet is called ultraviolet so if we sit down here and we actually look as I am right now at a picture of the visible electromagnetic spectrum the average human eye can see a range that goes from very short wavelength which is violet which is measured in what they call nanometers so that's 380 nanometers up to the very longest wavelength which is red and that goes to 740 nanometers okay so the human the average human eye can see a range from 380 to 740 I have a camera here that can see from 280 to 1200 so what that means is I can see a hundred nanometers smaller than what your naked eye should be able to see and then I can see uh, several hundred nanometers more than what your eye should be able to see uh, on the infrared end. So again, the human eye sees 380 to 740. This camera sees 280 to 1200. So basically, in a nutshell, what I'm saying here is I have a camera that is able to capture things that you cannot see on both the infrared and ultraviolet spectrum uh, a range um, and so it opens up the possibilities and I just recently got this thing and I've, I've actually not had a chance to take it out into the field yet and I can shoot both stills and video with this camera 
So here's what I'm going to do. Um, I'm going to take this uh, with me on my trip. And when I'm in this creepy-ass old hotel room, and it's a nice hotel, don't get me wrong. It's just, you know, it's an old haunted place. I'm going to, sure enough, take some pictures with this full-spectrum camera and uh, maybe shoot some video. And if I get something, I will post it. I will post it for you. And so I really don't want to get anything. Not in my room. But if I do, fine, so be it. And I will let you know as soon as possible. So the next podcast that you get from me, I presume, is going to be me from my creepy hotel room telling you what I am or am not getting with my full spectrum camera in there. So get ready for that. Before I wrap this uh, podcast up, uh, listen, folks, Sunday is the big day when I'm going to announce the new metaphysical product that I've created based upon the work of Tom Vrillock. And this is a very strange and wondrous thing. But I'm probably not going to be able to leave a podcast for you on Sunday. So that means you are going to have to subscribe to my e-newsletter. And my plan is that if all goes uh, like I expect, on Sunday I'm going to send out an e-newsletter. I'm going to blast this thing out all over the world and tell everybody in the world at once what I have here. And of course I only have one small batch. Like I say, these are custom, handmade. You'll understand. I shot a little video explaining you know what this is um but i'm probably not going to be able to inform you through the podcast so that means you've got to sign up go to joshuapwarren.com there is no period after the p and when you get there you'll find right there on the home page a spot where you you know you can submit your email Uh, it takes two seconds Uh, it's very very simple and i want to promise you that when you do that Um, You will not get any kind of spam or any other crap. All you will get is emails that come personally, directly from me, written with my own fingers. I pay for this service so that you don't have uh, advertisements and spam and all that other crap coming to you. So I want you to go to joshuapwarren.com if you haven't already. Put in your email address. Sign up. I'm going to blast this thing out, and you will be the first person in the world to know what this is and have an opportunity to uh, obtain one so that said um i believe that's going to do it for this particular podcast so hey what a what a weekend it's going to (laughs) be it's going to be a mind boggler so thank you for listening thank you for your interest and support thank you for staying curious and i will talk to you again soon